0: Psalm 122, would you look at it if you would, please? Um, The Bible tells us that that, uh, the book of Psalms is is the largest songbook in our Bible. It's 150 songs. Now, Psalm 119 revolves around, all 176 verses revolve around the Word of God. It gives us the foundation of truth. And really, Psalm 120 to 134 is a celebration of that truth. And I thank the Lord for the Bible. I don't understand the Bible like I should, but the more I read it, the more I thank God for the Scriptures. And boy, you and I ought to make a friend of our Bible. Get a Bible you like. Get one that you can read and love and and ministers to you on a personal basis. Bring it to church with you. I'm thankful for those who can use electronic Bibles. I have one on my phone. I have it on the iPad. But I just kind of like having a book. (laughs) And I like having it and being able to mark it and underline things as God ministers to me. I hope you'll love your Bible. But Psalm 120 to 134 follows up that great, uh, long chapter, longest chapter of a Bible on the Word of God and His truth with uh, psalms of ascent. They were psalms that were, going, that were singing, people would sing them as they made their way to worship. Three times a year, God's men in Israel were encouraged to come for the Feast of the Tabernacle, for Pentecost, for the, for the Passover. They would leave where they were in the world and come to Jerusalem. You the, you'll see in the, um, in the Gospels, Jesus and his disciples, they left Galilee and went down to Jerusalem for the feast. Because he was always obedient to what God wanted in the Old Testament, they would follow that. But as they began to go to worship in Jerusalem, in the temple, where the temple was, they would sing songs to prepare their heart to draw close to the Lord. I think the culmination would probably be in Psalm 133 where the Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to do what? Dwell together, come together in the purpose of worshiping the Lord in a unified way. God enjoys unity. That's why there's so much chaos in the world. That's why people run around with their hair on fire, scared to death, because they don't know God. I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise prudence, but I certainly think fear is something that's not wrong to have, but it's wrong to keep. Discouragement, it, it, is, it comes to everyone. You just don't have to stay discouraged if you start looking to what God has for us. Well, the people in worship would prepare, and they would sing these songs, and it would prepare their hearts to worship the Lord. And all of us—it's a great study. Some of you who've been listening to my daily broadcast on Grace to Grow that we make and provide early in the morning at seven thirty, and then at ten—but we've been talking about those. Tomorrow we'll talk about Psalm one. Excuse me, Tuesday I think I'll get to talk about Psalm one thirty-one. I'm looking forward to that. But nonetheless, they have prepared people's heart to worship. Psalm 120, the first thing we do to worship, we've got to be clean. We've got to separate from those in the tents of Kedar. You cannot draw near to God. You can't love flowers unless you hate weeds. You've got to get excited to get close to the Lord. You've got to deal with your sin, with your pride, with your arrogance, with your grudges, uh, with your bitterness. You, you can't be close to God. You can't love God and not hate sin. So he's going to say the first step to getting close to God and preparing for worship is going to be to look inside and say, what's wrong with John Wilkerson? What do I need to do to get close to God? Because God is a holy God. And you can't just bop into his presence. Well, take me like I am. You know who I am. I'm just human. No. God wants us to confess and forsake sin. Psalm 120 says, it's an act of separation. Psalm 121, it's a declaration that my faith is in God. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He's declaring my faith, my allegiance is toward the Lord. I'm trusting him. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's always awake. He doesn't have even a headache. He's not even nervous about anything. Because he's God, and I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. So it's a separation from wrong, and then it is a declaration of my faith in the Lord. By the way, if you haven't done that lately, it'd be a good idea for you and I to look into the eyes and look into the heavens and say, Lord, I trust in you. Before I left my office today, as I often do, and I probably haven't always done it, but I would say probably 90% of the time, before I leave to go preach, I oftentimes stand in my office, I put my hands up. And I look to the ceiling, but I want to look beyond the ceiling to the Lord and say, God, I surrender myself to you. I'm glad you're my God. This is your church. This is your service. This is your message. Please bless your people. Help me do what you want to do. For something you don't like in the service, you'll tell me. We'll change it. It's not about me, it's about Him. And I think that's something all of us ought to do and say, I trust you. Can you say it together with me? I trust you. Say it to the Lord. I trust you, God. You're my God. I declare my dependence upon you. You know what happens when you begin doing that? You begin believing that. And then a lot of fear and a lot of hang-ups, they go away. The more we trust the Lord. But then in Psalm 122, the third psalm is where we are today. And of course, you keep going through it, you'll see that Psalm 122 is anticipation. They believe this psalm was written by David. At the time of David, there was no temple in Jerusalem. Who would build the temple for God? Solomon, his son. But there was a house for God. It wasn't a temple, but it was a place where God met with people. At the time of David, it was no doubt probably a tabernacle. But it it wasn't uh, the church and the temple, and and it wasn't so much about the edifice of the building. Buildings don't change lives. But what happens inside of them do. And the church is not a building. The church is you and me. When we gather around the person of the Lord. And we see in Psalm 122, there was an anticipation. 120, separation from sin, from the tents of Kedar, and the critical, and the, the, the pessimistic, and the wicked behavior of that, that group. Psalm 121, a declaration. God's my God, my faith is in Him. Psalm 120. To anticipation, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I like this. This gets me kind of excited. But let me ask you, there's two things I want to say. By the way, some folks say, oh, we don't have to go to church today. The church, the house of God, isn't the church today. Okay, let me just real quickly, let's just pause right there. Hold your place in 122 of Psalms and go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. You need to underline this. Take note of this in your Bible. If someone tells you the house of God today is not the church, occasionally some clown will say, well, no, the temple is really the house of God today. My body's the house of God. I can worship God by yourself. And you can, but that's not God's preference. The greatest form of worship is probably done individually, but God wants corporate worship. He wants wants you to get together with other people. And he tells us, 1 Timothy chapter three, I want you to look at it, I want you to read it out loud with me. I'd like for you to underline this verse if you're in the habit of underlining things in your Bible or circling this. This is a paramount verse for every child of God. Let's look at it if you would please. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says to them, three verse 15. At home, read it with us, would you please? Everybody, here we go, verse 15. But if I tarry long honest, to behave thyself in the house of God, Hey, listen, friend, you and I represent the pillar and the ground of truth and the house of God in this day and age, New Testament or Old Testament? What did we just read just now? New Testament. After Christ or before Christ? After him. He said, the house of God, which is the church of a living God. is the pillar and ground of truth. If you got saved today, you got saved in part because a local church, kept the doctrines and protected them and propagated them and can remain the pillar of the assembly. And I thank God for that. Now let's go back to Psalm 122. I want you to walk with me through this real quickly. Here's the message today. Why it's good to be in the house of God and, uh, and why am I glad? Why are we glad? Why it's good and why are we glad? i many are glad this morning. Amen. You're glad? I'm glad. You make me so happy. It's been real lonely in this room without you. We've had 10 people in this room until this morning and I am so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us and not making us feel lonely any longer there. How many have been a little lonely at your house too? <laughs> Good. I thought I might come and just uh, appear today on a couch with my, uh, with my uh, pajamas on just to, just to feel like what it feels like to be you. I don't know what it's like to be you. I've been on the other side of this platform, thank you for being with us today. Okay, Psalm 122, let's look at it real quickly. We're talking about anticipation. Look at verse 1. I was glad. So why is it good? Good is the last word in this this particular uh, psalm, and glad is the first main word we see. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say the first reason I think it's good and why we're glad is verse number two. Would you look at it, if you would, please? Because our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Number one, the church is a good thing because we can attend it. (laughs) Because our feet can leave our house and get into a place where we can assemble with God's people. I know that that is time, the time to come. That's going to be something we'll be able to do. Not everybody can do that by way of the live stream today. Do you know what church is important? Why are you be glad? Because you can get there. It says, because my feet can stand inside the gates of the place where the temple of God is. I want to thank you for going to church. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling. That means getting your feet inside the church. As a manner of some people are, but so much the more uh, exhorting one another as you see the day approaching. Dear friend... Church is good, and I'm glad that we're able to gather because we can attend together. Attendance is important. Don't let anyone tell you. Now, people say this, you've heard me say this before in a joking manner, but people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and that's true. You don't have to go home to be married, but it makes for a better relationship with your spouse. If you want to have the right relationship you want to have with Jesus, you might want to get yourself in the house of God and around people. Why? Is it important? Why am I glad? Because attendance is a part of it. Look at verse number three. Would you look there if you would, please? The Bible says this. Jerusalem is built on a city that is compact together. There's a little bit more significance in there, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one. Let's go to verse number four, would you please? Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel. I want to tell you the second reason I believe why it's good to attend church And why I'm glad, number one, is because attendance, I can put my feet inside. I can take myself to that place. Number two, is because it's a good testimony to be faithful to the house of God. It's a testimony in Israel. You know what God's people do throughout history? They've gone to church. You know, the children of Israel, whenever they camped and millions of them were camped in, 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 uh, in, in the plains of Mount Sinai and the, the valleys there and out in the wilderness, you know what God did? He set up a type of a church. He put the tabernacle right smack in the middle of all 12 tribes. He told them, you're camping over here, Dan and Asher and Benjamin, and he gave them all a place, and he put right smack in the middle of it the, the tabernacle where the presence of God met with God's people. You know, friend, that's an important thing to know. And you know, all since, since that time, God's people have had a testimony of going to church. You know, your unsaved neighbors ought to be able to see you step out of your house with a Bible in your hand, going to church. Whether you're a single adult or you are a teenager or you're a, a family unit, they us say, you know, oh, they always attend church. They always make that a priority. You know, when difficult times come, I've been amazed by this. Some of you have, too. Our neighbors have softened up a little bit. They kind of stop on their walk and kind of want to talk about things that are important. Why? Because they know I go to church. They don't know anything about this church. Many of my neighbors have not been in this building. Some of them have. Some of them have gotten saved. And I thank God they're watching. Some of them are watching online right now and have watched and had some of my neighbors tell me, say, Pastor... He goes, I've been been watching those services. Those are really inspirational, and I'm thankful for that. But, you know, some folks have never come here, but they see you. They see you, and they see, and you know, when when you and I are faithful to the house of God, other people pay attention to it. He said, you know, church is important because I can put my feet inside the, the service. Number two, I can be a good testimony for God by attending church. Look at the next one, if you would please, in verse number four. He says, and uh, I can give thanks unto the name of the Lord. A church is a place where public praise and gratitude in God's name is given. There's nobody here but us, but I want somebody to stand up right now and tell them, tell me something you thank God for right now in a public way. Who would help me with that? Brother John, go ahead. Amen. July 6, 1976, he got saved there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Is that right? The Civic Center there? Praise the Lord. Amen. How many would join him in saying, Amen, I'm glad I got saved too? Amen. Amen. Somebody else, how about over here? Someone stand up and tell me something. Brother Mark. Praise the Lord. Thank God for a godly mom. How many of you are like him? Your mother was there when you got saved. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up high. That's a blessed, thank God for precious moms. That's wonderful. I didn't get all the moms to stand up. Can we do that right now? Mothers, would you all stand together? We didn't get that while ago. All of our moms stand together just for a second. Look at these beautiful folks. Let's give them a round of applause and thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Mamas have been a powerful, a powerful force throughout all of history. Ladies have oftentimes, if 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 uh, if ladies, if they just slip a little bit, the men morality slips a lot more. Ladies, when you keep it high, I think a lot of other things in, in society are much higher at a at a mother's a mother's influence. And I thank God for that. Mamas, thank you. Forgive me for forgetting about that. Good. Someone over here, give me a quick testimony. Yes, sir, Brother Gabe. Praise the Lord. A faithful wife who walked with God for 10 years before he came to know Christ as a Savior, prayed for him, was faithful to him. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad. Undergoing treatment for cancer and God's been good and we rejoice. Thank you for public praise. How about someone up here in the balcony? Who can help us over here? Give a reason for public praise. Ishmael. Praise the Lord. That's a great testimony. How about up here in the balcony? Anybody real quickly? Yes, sir, Brian. Praise the Lord. Thank God for soul winners and people who prayed for him to get saved. How about over here in this section of the balcony? Yes, sir, stand if you would please. Brother Cuck Cuck. Hey, we got a graduate there. We're gonna honor them at the end of the month and I'm looking forward to that. Congratulations for graduating. How about over here again? Who else has got something right back here? Yes, sir. Brother John or Brother Joe? God's leadership in times of difficulty, and that's a huge blessing. Let me get somebody else over here. Anybody else want over here? Yes, ma'am, Miss Norma. Praise the Lord. Her mother just about passed away when she was born, and yet uh, God led her through that time, gave her health, and then Norma led her mother to the Lord before she went home to be with God. That's a great testimony. Yes, sir. Amen. Thank you so much. I praise the Lord for this church family, for Sunday school classes, and a precious wife. We'll take one more. Who else got something? Right here, Miss Katrina. Isn't that wonderful? We prayed for her, successful cancer surgery with no more treatment. God is very gracious and very good. Hey, listen, friend, I want to encourage you. We don't have all day to do this, but I would encourage you to thank God publicly to someone today. Don't leave today without saying, God has been good to me, and here's why. Because we gather together not only to show our attendance, not only to give a testimony to an unsaved world, but we gather together to say, I publicly praise the Lord. Now I'll just say from a pastor's standpoint, I'd like to thank God for each of you. You have been very faithful in spite of our failure to be able to meet together and our lack of being able to meet together. Your giving has been great, your soul consciousness. You've encouraged one another. Many of us have, have visited other people. There are bus captains. You're still visiting your people. Sunday school classes, you're still going after and staying connected. It's not been easy, but you've done a great job. And I believe God is glorified. Many of you have been exceptional examples of taking gifts to our health care professionals, greeting our police officers and sharing the, the, the grace of God with them and our public servants. I want to thank you for doing that. I'd just like to praise God publicly for you and your faithfulness. Thank you for being here today, for those who have been so faithful to encourage around. Church is important because we can set our feet in there. Church is important because we have a testimony to uphold. That's what church people do. They go to church. Sometimes when you will see people, they say, it's the church, people. <laughs> you know why? Because they're faithful to church. It's a place where we can publicly praise and give gratitude in the name of the Lord. Look at verse number five, would you please? Verse number four, again, whether the tribes go up or the tribes of the Lord, the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for there are set thrones of judgment and thrones of the house of David. I'm going to suspend our message here in just a moment but I want you to see the fourth reason I think I'm glad I can come to church and why it's important is cuz there here's talking about the thrones of judgment but you know God uses the word of God he calls it his judgments it's a place where we can hear what God wants us to do it's a place that tells us we're wrong and we're wrong it's a place where we hear God's word and you can read your bible at home and you should every single day But there's something that happens in a Sunday school class. There's something that happens when you hear the Word of God. Church is important because there we can hear the judgments of God. If you read Psalm 119, you'll find that he references the Word of God as precepts. He references them as statutes, as the law, but he also says they are his judgments. Do you know God has an opinion about morality? He has an opinion about, he doesn't ask you to choose your sexual identity. He's done that for you already. He has an opinion about drunkenness. He has an opinion about marriage. He has an opinion about honesty. He has an opinion about business. He has an opinion about finances. He has an opinion about everything, and he's put it in in his judgments, in his word of God. God has put a local church together because it's a place where we can gather around his judgments and say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. Now, unfortunately, you guys have to listen to me most of the time, and I apologize in advance. But I want to thank you for listening to the word of God, listening to what God says. And every time you read the Bible and you hear the Bible, you ought to think, what command does God want me to obey? What caution does he want, is he cautioning me to avoid? I I can't help but think in the many thousands of times I've been in service, I could have done something very dumb had I not heard a warning and a caution in a message. How many could testify you think that's the case for you? How many things I have enjoyed blessing because God always blesses every act of obedience. If you do what God wants you to do, there is blessing. It's not easy on the front end. When you do it, it's blessing. You know what motivates you to do that? You know what it takes to obey God? It takes faith. Guess where faith comes from? Faith cometh by hearing, hear by the word of God. By the way, let me just say to you, parenthetically, young people, old people, be careful who you listen to. You might like that podcast, and it might sound fuzzy-wuzzy, and it might sound real logical. Let me just tell you, there's some things in the Bible that are not real logical that are absolutely necessities. You be careful what you listen to. All standards don't matter. How we dress doesn't matter. What we listen to doesn't matter. Where we go doesn't matter. We live under the grace of God. Listen, you're listening to the wrong fellow right there. You might want to get your little Bible out and find out what God wants you to do and not try to just appease a holy God, but to please him. God has laid out statutes and, and judgments. And church is important because my feet should be in the gates. Church is important because it represents a testimony of who I am in Jesus and the, the, and the God that I love and serve. Church is important because it's a place where I can bring my public praise to God. Listen, you stand up in the middle of Wrigley Field and give a public praise, no one wants to, no one cares. But you and give one here, everybody ought to say, I agree with that. That's good. They don't care what you think about over there at White Sox Park about God or Soldier Field. Stand up and try to praise God and see how many people do anything but throw beer on you. But in the house of God, we ought to be people that come in with a pleasant spirit and a praise-filled mouth, offering the gift, as Hebrews tells us, the gift of 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 a thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we also ought to come ready to learn, God, what are you commanding me to do? What are you cautioning me against? What are you going to give to comfort me in my difficult times? You know that's what the word of God does. It comforts us. It commands us. It cautions us. It counsels us about what to do. Brother Joe gave praise. I thank God that God has guided me to some very difficult seasons. You know how you can find the guidance of God? In the word of God. And hearing his word and letting that rest in your heart, I think will be very powerfully used to the Lord.